Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Wonderful to be here with you today because we're going to dive into a subject that I think uh, we're all going to find interesting and fascinating. I've always found it fun to talk about some of the buzzwords that folks like to use over the course of time. Uh, The current one, and it's more than just a buzzword, I know that. Uh, Quantum spirituality. Quantum is the one word I'm talking about. Science, Gnostic mysticism, that part I really love. And connecting with source consciousness even more. I love that because it's one of our prime pillars, if you will, asking you to spend time during the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, uh, and listening to that still small voice. We're going to talk about all of these elements here with Peter Canova. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a long time since we've had you on the program. We certainly have had your wife on the program quite a few times as well. Great to have you with us. Good to be with you, Dan. So let's talk about this aspect and uh, certainly, the, the, I've I've sort of debated a little bit, but not not in a, a hard way, over this whole issue of let's see, there's physics, and then there's quantum physics, and of course somebody does explain it to me quite quite thoroughly. Tell me about the difference between spirituality and quantum spirituality. Well, quantum spirituality is really kind of a merger of ancient mystical wisdom and modern quantum physics because they both cover similar subjects as their core focus, which is light energy and matter. And they both describe aspects of how those two fundamental things work in the nature of reality. So quantum spirituality really is pointing out the uh, intersections of those different orientations. And uh, the ultimate idea here is that um, you use this information to help you or help people have what I call extraordinary experiences with higher consciousness. That's the end goal. Well, I I do know that that one of the aspects of all of I mean just the subtitle the the, uh, the science gnostic mysticism and connecting with source consciousness um people these days dealing with that first element of science they're having a hard time because there are those who are real hardliners and when science says abc123 there are those who are basically detractors. I don't believe that. I mean, the scientists that I talk to say um, X, Y, Z, 11, 12, 14. And we seem, to, we seem to challenge this whole thing. And I think that one of the things that I think many of these folks miss, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that science is not a laden concrete a uh, uh, type of um, uh, thought and so forth. It's it's theories and it's um, and, and amount of speaking, sort of guessing, but then then going about the process of trying to prove the theory. I, I argue, I don't argue, but I have conversations about dark matter. We can't see it, okay? Uh, but the math, the math, basically says that there is such a thing. 
So how do you get over that hurdle when you talk with people in reference to the science? Now, I know, too, that science and spirituality are sort of uh, they're starting to come together, aren't they? Well, I think people have to recognize that there's science and there's science. Um, science <laughs> has uh, its own orthodoxy, just like mm-hmm. religion has. OK, mm-hmm. and uh, scientific orthodoxy is what I call scientific materialism. And that has been the prevailing mode of scientists. Uh, Science is limited to what's observable and what's testable in a laboratory, which obviously has its limitations. It has things that hit questions that it's answered, but there's many questions that it can't answer. Now, you have what I call the new science. And the new science really is quantum physics, which is the study of the fundamental microscopic world that makes up our macroscopic world. And they are kind of the pioneers. So think of it like this. In our American history, we had the Western expansion and there were the pioneers out there. Okay, they were making new discoveries and it took quite a while for much of that information to filter back to the older areas back east. You know, the Boston's and the New York's and everything else. Mm -hmm. So uh, I kind of liken it this way that uh, many of the uh, discoveries and theories that is on the cutting edge of quantum physics uh, is slowly making its way back into the more orthodox, uh, more established scientific world. But uh, there's also, I think, uh, very fundamental differences among scientists. I, I would say the majority of scientists, well, first of all, you have to understand scientists have to be very careful. A lot of them won't own up to what they believe, because if they do, they would be ridiculed and they would be, um, you know, ostracized from scientific circles. So, for once, for instance, you never mention God, or you never mention a supreme intelligence in scientific circles, even though much of science is now starting to indicate that an intelligence permeates everything that exists. But you know, you won't find a lot of traditional scientists talking about that because they would be they would be scorned. So. Um, the uh, there is a movement, though, uh, I think, among more progressive scientists that are uh, kind of, like I say, out there pioneering uh, that they're understanding that instead of life being the great accident, which is a bunch of uh, particles somehow colliding and forming more complex organisms that eventually lead up to like a human being and a human brain. There, there is no scientific basis for that. I mean, it's all garbage. It's just an excuse because in reality, they don't really know the origin of life. A much more rational explanation of how life got here rather than a bottom-up accident is a top-down intention, is, is intelligence, intelligent consciousness being the foundation of everything and then working its way down through various stages of what we would call life uh, right down to uh, maybe the lowest form, which is physical life, um, energy, spirit, energy in in material forms. You know, uh, and just as a sidebar, what you've basically described, um, and I'm not, this is not a subject we're going to go down. This is not uh, where we're headed with this conversation, but just as an example of how I've been thinking about this in terms of uh, life and death, for example, of the, of the mortal coil, shall we say, uh, I've often thought, you know, the, the, there's obviously this argument that's gone that's been going on in this country uh, since 1973, and I've come to this conclusion uh, and asking, sort of proposing uh, this position: we need to define what death 
is before we can say when life begins. The assumption is that it begins blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, but when is it no longer life? What is death? And, and I bring this up, uh, for example, uh, Lazarus in the, in the New Testament, for example. Uh, Jesus raised him from the dead. And, and I sit there going, well, no, wait a minute. But then one of his followers says it is appointed to every man once to die and then the judgment. So which is it? Then we have experiences across the board, uh, Peter. People are having these near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, and so forth. This has to play a role in this conversation to, to an extent, not the, not the first part in terms of this whole Supreme Court business. I, that, I could personally— well, uh, putting, putting the abortion issue aside, I, yes. think that the, uh, I, I think that what we're really coming to understand is that we can't confine life to life in a physical body on earth. Life mm-hmm. really is something that happens over multiple dimensions. And there can be multiple dimensions of our own being in those multiple dimensions. So, you know, uh, I, I might be sitting here, but I really believe that there are other versions of me uh, at higher levels of vibration yeah. uh, that have worked their consciousness down. You know, we, you often hear uh, we're, we're spirits having a human experience, not humans having a spiritual experience. Well, I think there's a lot of truth in that um, because essentially we are kind of an experiment of spirit down here. Um, when you really think about it, spirit is energy and energy mm-hmm. vibrates at a very different level. So, um, you know, inquisitive spirits manage to find a way to work themselves into material forms, but we're really kind of like visitors in these material bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are our, our, our true homes. And yes, they do get abandoned and yes, they do decay and they do die eventually. But that means that, you know, we're, we, we leave that experience and, you know, we're moving on to uh, other, other experiences. So life is really a continuation. It never ends. It's a continual process um, because the, 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 the source that we all originate from uh, is eternal. And, you know, speaking about that, uh, one thing that, you know, the Gnostics made a real distinction uh, w- that uh, between, uh, you know, what uh, the Judeo-Christian tradition tells us, which is that um, we are creations of some supreme being. Uh, well, a creation is something separate from yourself. Okay. So for instance, Geppetto made Pinocchio. Pinocchio is mm-hmm. a yeah. it's not Geppetto. But the Gnostics said, no, that, that ain't the way it works. We're actually projections or emanations of the force that was behind everything, of that one intelligence. So think of it in a way, we're like, uh, if, if the force is like the main grid, we're like the relay stations, okay? So we participate in that whole stream of consciousness. We're part of that stream of consciousness that projected everything into reality. So in truth, there's no separation. between us and the supreme force the only thing is that we're deluded versions so we don't really remember uh and 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 uh, that that limitation of consciousness Mm -hmm. really has everything to do with having individual experience because if we didn't have limitations and we were always present in the supreme consciousness we wouldn't be individuals we'd just be reabsorbed back into the whole so um you know this is this is kind of at least the way I have um, uh, experienced, both experienced and studied the way it all works. Peter Canova is my guest, and PeterCanova.com is the, west, the website. That's P-E-T-E, 
P-E-T-E-R-C-A-N-O-V-A.com. Peter Canova. We will be linked to that website so that you folks can find out more as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I want to continue on this, 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 uh, this path because one of the things that I find interesting. Now, it was a few years ago that I sort of came with came to this conclusion, and I would love your input on this. <clears throat> and that is the concepts that are laid out in the founding documents of this country specifically are in in a manner of speaking in direct opposition, not only to what you've said, but in direct opposition to the alleged founding philosophy. Uh, the Judeo-Christian philosophy that many people like to say this country was founded on. And the, the First Amendment, for example, of talking about individual uh, rights and freedoms, well, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But it's like, wait a minute, I don't read anywhere in the texts of the Old or New Testament where anybody has any individual rights. You either follow God or or you go to hell and spend your eternity with all the rest who are there and that there is no individuality in that sense it's not saying that we aren't individuals but that we are part of a community and even on the spiritual level as you've alluded to can you uh, and and I've kind of put it this way life liberty and so forth they're not wrong and they're not bad but from a sp- Let's. I'm even going to go take it to the title of your book, Quantum Spirituality. From the quantum spirituality perspective, they're irrelevant. They're just irrelevant. Again, there's no judgment. It's just that because we're all connected. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm not exactly sure what you're um, what you're getting at, but I, I let me. I think I am. So let me take a step. Sure, I just, please. Let me take a stab at it. Um, you know, just because the reality is that everything is a whole, okay, um, doesn't mean under certain conditions that uh, things like um, individuality, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and so forth, that, that there's nothing wrong with that. And it's not mutually exclusive to being part of a whole, because I think that the whole idea of um, individuality were spirits exploring individual existence apart from a kind of like hive mind. And uh, that uh, is uh, really, in my mind, an extension of this one force trying to experience itself in all manners of creation. So like we said, there's different dimensions of existence. You know, uh, we could be experiencing things in a a plane that's very near to us, but they don't have physical bodies per se, they have energetic bodies. Mm -hmm. And you could, you could be, you know, in other dimensions where um, it has, you know, even uh, different um, laws of, uh, of, of reality, but it's all an exploration by spirit to understand something outside of itself. And after all, if the, the, the supreme force and like we can call it you know you can call it god mm-hmm. the supreme force though anything you want it's all the same thing the, the label doesn't matter so i can use the word god it really doesn't matter but if god <clears throat> had not wanted to experience something outside itself because eternity can be an awfully lonely thing eternity is static <laughs> eternity is like existing but it's not necessarily experiencing 
So obviously, there seemed to be a desire or an impetus of this supreme force, not just to exist and be, I am, therefore I am, but to experience. Mm -hmm. So you could really say that when we come down here and we're, uh, you know, going through various levels of individual experience and we're, we're guaranteed the right to do that without being forced into a, uh, a collective kind of, you know, lock and step mentality, that that's a very noble thing. And it is spiritual. Okay. Now you can carry it to extremes. Everything can be carried to extremes. Extreme individuality uh, can lead to selfishness and even evil because you, you, you get so far away from the understanding of being part of the whole that you can do damage to yourself and others. So there's always extremes. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking about staying within, you know, the, the, the field of reason, it's really like kind of a noble effort because I, I always say the conclusion I came to is that our purpose is to be the fingers of God touching the face of this earth. And we spiritualize the material and bring the experience of the material back to spirit. And one day, I think that veil that separates spirit and energy uh, very well will merge. And that, that's, I think, what the kingdom of heaven is that they talked about in the Bible. It's when heaven come down, comes down to earth and earth is raised up to heaven. And I do believe there was a time in our spiritual history, where we were able to move in and out of bodies freely, we were able to project ourselves into material objects and but but then go back to spirit, we lost that ability, because eventually we decided to define reality as the within the boundaries of our skin. So you know, uh, but I do believe that our whole task here is remembrance. And uh, we don't learn, we really remember because everything we need to know, we already really know at some level, but we need to remember. And that's called awakening. And when we do that, this, this, this veil between the spiritual and material, it starts to thin out. Yeah. Uh, my uh, eldest sister and my father are in spirit, as they say these days, um, uh, in the past uh, 13 months, uh, lost those two of the family. I'm 63, almost 63. And I think about I have been thinking about that for for many years that I knew that one day I'd get the call. And I got the call twice, you know, and our family was a family of eight. So um assuming <laughs> don't want to really assume but assuming that i'm able to outlive everybody i'm going to get seven phone calls in my lifetime about the fact that they've transitioned as i or or to quote bernie siegel who we've had on this program I, we were talking about his late wife and i made the comment about her transitioning and he stopped me mid-sentence and said no she didn't transition she died my wife died, you know, and so in, in, in deference and respect to Bernie Siegel, yes, my, my, my sister and my father have died. But one of the things that has been so astounding to me is when my sister passed in 2022, I could hear her telling me, hey, Richard, it's okay. Everything's okay. But with my father, it's more an impression. And it's one of the perspectives that I take when talking about death. And that is, well, first of all, my father had very poor sight, had very poor hearing and stability problems. So my mother said, she told him uh, before he lost consciousness, he says, as soon as you uh, get to the other side, you're going to be able to see perfectly, you're going to be able to hear. And then I added to that conversation and you won't, and you can walk without falling down, which she kind of got a chuckle out of. But now they're everywhere. That what one point they were in Phoenix in their respective skin suits, as you as it were. 
Now they're everywhere. And it was something you said also about, you know, everything is energy and it's just, what is the right word transformed? Because that's kind of what happens. I mean, they even cremated both of them. And uh, so that energy of the body was transformed into something else. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about, again, yes, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And I think that's probably the more appropriate way to put it. But talk to us a little bit about this, uh, this aspect of moving from, shall we say, one world into the other. It's sort of what you were talking about before. And the one word that came to my mind was bilocation, where we can travel without a locomotion. You know, we just, hey, I want to be here. Oh, okay, now I want to be over here. Uh, talk. Can you sh- share with us your perspective from from quantum spirituality? Well, yeah, let's talk about it from the quantum side first. And you know, um, everything is light energy. What science has found is that at the most fundamental levels of reality, particles don't exist. The only thing that exists is an energy field, light wave energy. Under certain conditions, particles can collapse from that. And human consciousness has something to do with that, as some famous experiments have showed. Uh, But at the very fundamental level, it's light energy. Now, if you look at Einstein's E equals MC squared, what that very simply says is that matter comes from energy. Matter and energy are interchangeable. So that's the basis of nuclear energy, for instance. Nuclear energy takes particles and literally splits them down to the point where they become energy again. And it's that release of energy that causes the nuclear force. So it's not really different from the human body. When the, when somebody dies or passes on, uh, the human body releases that energy and, you know, it goes back into the, uh, it goes back into the energy field, if you, if you will. So, um, you know, there's a scientific way to look at death as well as a spiritual way, spiritual way to look at death. And the Gnostics essentially said that, you know, um, Gnostics described parallel universes very early 2000 years before um, quantum physics did. And in the Gnostic conception of parallel universes, universes aren't really defined so much by spaces. They're not like places in effect, but what they are is they are frequencies, frequencies of vibration. So that people tend to, um, you know, go back to those levels which are have a common vibration to them, have a common vibration to their consciousness. Okay, those levels of vibration call to the particular vibration of uh, of, uh, of our consciousness, and of course, consciousness can change. We can we can increase that frequency. We can also decrease that frequency. But that uh, that's how you kind of progress up through the through the layers of of, of, of dimension of the layers of being. I guess the, the you know in spiritual terms, you know that's how you sort of ascend uh, to heaven. Let's say is by increasing that. Um, spiritual frequency or level of conscious vibration. So uh, yeah, these things are all related and um, the passing of a physical body can be described in both spiritual and quantum terms. Mm. We're talking with Peter Canova, petercanova.com is the website, and you're listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, quantum spirituality, fascinating work and 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 conversation as well. Science Gnostic mysticism and connecting with source consciousness. I want to talk about the latter two, but before we do that, I want to ask you, uh, you used the word awakening. So 
Tell us, describe for us about your own awakening. awakening. When did that happen? Well, I was in my 20s, long ago and far away, <laughs> and, uh, in Star Wars. And um, I discovered that I was a very accurate medical intuitive. All, all somebody had to do was give me somebody's name, age, and address, and I could very accurately diagnose what their issues were, whether it was physical or, or um, uh, mental. And uh, when that happened, it, it kind of uh, unleashed a whole series of experiences that I had with clairaudience, clairvoyance, um, premonitions, uh, remote viewing. Uh, I went through all these things. And the importance of going through these things was that I realized that all this stuff is real. I mean, you know, you can hear this from people, right? You can hear about these things, but unless you've experienced it, there's just really no way that you can um, say, yeah, okay, uh, I, I'm not sure I really believe that. But, um, you know, the whole purpose of me writing uh, this um, book, uh, it's the result of like more than 40 years worth of research, because when these experiences happened to me, being a Capricorn, it wasn't enough for me just to have the experiences. I wanted to understand the nuts and bolts behind it. So um, then I, uh, I embarked on this whole, um, you know, research program that led me to quantum physics. Mm -hmm. And um, I, uh, I, I, I realized that what was really behind this was me connecting with an intelligent force that's out there. It's like a radio broadcast. It's out there 24 seven. The trick is you got to attune to get the right frequency, okay? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't get the frequency, you don't hear the channel. So I'm nothing special. Uh, we can all get there. Uh, we all get there through different paths. But well, I wrote this book in order to be kind of like a roadmap for people. And on a roadmap, you need coordinates. You need an X and Y axis or you need latitude and longitude, right? So my latitude and longitude that I use is quantum physics and ancient spiritual wisdom, and uh, I try to essentially uh, break down the whole process of reality and the operation of how this force permeates and works throughout creation to, to really help people on their spiritual journey. Like I said, it's a roadmap. Uh, I can't show you the way, but I can give you some signposts that you can follow yourself if you have the desire to do so. You got to put the work in yourself. No one else can do that. But yeah. but this is a, quantum spirituality is a really powerful tool of knowledge to help you get beyond mere faith in things, to help you get beyond uh, beliefs, which can be wrong. Faith and beliefs can be wrong. That, and there's nothing that says that faith and belief is correct. There's been a lot of instances where people put their faith and their beliefs in completely wrong things and the outcome is not so great. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, when you get knowledge that comes from a personal experience, then you own it. And, and once you do that, you're on the road to revelation. Revelation is when you become your own prophet and you have direct experiences with this consciousness so that you no longer have to take anybody else on faith. You can weigh everything you see here and are told by your own inner experience. And that, that is more like revelation. That's when you become, um, you know, a reliable source to guide yourself. And that's what I'm trying to help people do uh, by all this research that I put into the book. He also has a podcast, folks, called Quantum Spirituality. It's on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Uh, and um, you, how many languages do you speak? Uh, well, I speak two pretty well. And then there's a couple more that I understand, but don't speak as well. 
Okay. Uh, I've often thought about that in terms of being bilingual, trilingual, et cetera. And, and uh, at one point, uh, I had two languages, English and computer, uh, back when we were using DOS. <laughs> that going back a few years, isn't it? Old DOS. Yeah, I still remember uh, uh, constructing a, a a line of code in DOS on my screen, and I was amazed uh, on two levels. Number one was I was amazed when I looked at it going, wow, I wrote that. And then the other amazement was, and it works. <laughs> it did what it, I wanted it to do. But if one, if the syntax isn't correct, then nothing happens. And uh, I sometimes wonder, uh, being that you are uh, a multilingual and so forth in, in different areas, it's one of the questions that comes up for me quite often, and I want to get into that in just a moment as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we're talking with Peter Canova about his book, Quantum Spirituality. Um, you have a part here where it talks about Gnosticism, Gnostic mysticism. Now, one of the questions I want to ask you in terms of what I refer to as the ancient wisdom teachings, and this could, could include pretty much anything going back hundreds or thousands of years, I would even put into that context the Akashic Records, which uh, have not been put in print, okay? <laughs> they're, they're not in that context, as far as I know. But what about this aspect of trying to understand quantum spirituality or spirituality in general uh, or the rules or laws of the universe from other languages? Uh, case in point, Hebrew. I know enough about the Aleph Bet, 22 characters. Each one has its own legend, kind of like when you look at a map and you look down in the corner there and all of the symbols that are on this map are defined for you. So each one of these letters has a numerical ranking. It has a tone. It has like its own story. Then you start putting those letters together into words, into sentences, into paragraphs, chapters, book. But when you translate it into another language, in a manner of speaking, that all goes away. Can you talk to us about the aspect that you, maybe you even ran into this as you were putting this book together and other books that you've written, including your trilogy, uh, how much is lost in translation? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly some things are lost in translation. Uh, for instance, um, one of the central characters in the Gnostic creation story is called Sophia. And a lot of people don't recognize that Sophia uh, is mentioned all throughout the Bible. Um, the reason why we don't recognize it is because we, we get the English translation of Sophia, which is wisdom. So if you look, for instance, in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is spoken of quite frequently she's it's a female first of all it's female okay mm -hmm. it's one of the things that you may lose in translation you know in a language like english that doesn't make gender distinctions okay but greek does that sophia was a female and uh she says in the bible um i was there from the beginning i i i was there with god from the beginning what sophia really is is an aspect of the divine that um, is uh, op in operation in our world here. And in the Gnostic myth, Sophia played quite an interesting role in the Gnostic creation story, which is a 
whole uh, another thing. I'm not really sure if we have time to get into that, but it's fascinating. And, and that story is where you see the direct parallels with quantum physics in uh, predicting the Big Bang, the God particle and um, parallel universes. But um, yeah, certainly you do lose uh, something in the translation. But I think what you probably lose more of is uh, context, cultural context. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if you read the Gnostic Gospels, if you don't have a good amount of scholarship and cultural context behind you, you really won't understand what's being said. It'll, it'll sound like, a, you know, sound like a lot of gibberish to the average person. It takes a lot of study uh, and it takes a lot of cross-referencing to really understand and, you know, decipher what is being said in these ancient texts. But at the end of the day, what you do see is that there was a common set of spiritual teachings in the ancient world. And over time, they got a little confused and diluted because of acculturation, different cultures. But really, if you look at the Hindu, the Zoroastrian, the, the Greco-Roman, uh, uh, the, the Greco-Roman uh, Hellenistic philosophy, uh, the Jewish Kabbalah, these things were all pretty much saying the same thing. And what's cool about the Gnostics, and the reason why I zeroed in on them, is that having sort of being mostly in Alexandria, Egypt, which was the intellectual melting pot of the time, dwarfing Athens and Rome in that regard. Yeah. Uh, the Gnostics really combined all these different streams. They, 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 they really synthesized these, uh, the different spiritual traditions and kind of wove them back together after they had unwoven over the centuries. And the Gnostic masters, the information that they brought back uh, from the other side was just so mind-blowing and so precise and so scientific that even somebody like the famous Carl Jung, the psychologist, when he first discovered the Gnostic text, he, he, he basically said, these people already <laughs> preempted me by 2000 years. <laughs> yeah. This kind of this kind of conversation has always been fascinating to me because uh, I mean, I have maybe one or two versions of the Gita. I have multiple versions, of course, of the Bible. I'm working on trying to uh, acquire a copy of the Quran, but also wanting to understand it. And one of the conversations I had with a rabbi once, and we were talking about one of the Jewish laws uh, uh, in the Old Testament. And to your point, his question to me was, do you know the context in which this law was written or created or put down. I said, I have no clue. I, I, I have no clue as to any one of the 613 laws, uh, the context therein. And so he would explain it to me. And I said, you know what, that makes perfect sense. But this is, this is where I run into a, a problem with some of these uh, biblical scholars. For example, I was watching this one video. One guy was talking about the Ten Commandments and specifically uh, the one about thou shalt not kill. And he says, actually, in, the, in the, the original language, that is the word murder. And I'm sitting here going, oh, wait a minute. This book's been around for several thousand years uh, in print for, uh, you know, several many hundreds of years since the Gutenberg Bible. And you're telling me that nobody had the foresight, nobody had the gumption, nobody had uh, the wherewithal to correct that. And yet it still says in my Old Testament Thou shalt not kill. There was, and that's the reason that I bring up this subject of um, what's lost in translation. It's like, if that's what it means, then why doesn't it say that? 
along the same lines of uh, in the New Testament about death and dying between Jesus raising Lazarus from, quote unquote, the dead versus Paul saying it is appointed to a man every once uh, every man wants to die. Um, yeah. I, think, I read uh, a, Go ahead. I think, go ahead. I, th- I think, you know, to your point. I think the biggest thing that's lost in translation isn't really language. It's it, it it it's it's really knowledge because I always say that prophets speak the heart of God. Their followers start religions because the prophet has the insight. The prophet has the direct insight, yeah. which the followers don't. So when when the prophet essentially passes on, if if he's even understood by his followers. The followers have their own foibles. They have their own agendas. And, you know, we end up getting religion. So what you read in the Bible or the Quran or, you know, any of these sacred texts, you have to take with a grain of salt because it's the divine word or let's say it's the knowledge of the supreme intelligence, but it's filtered through imperfect human mediums. So so that, you know, um, if you look at the three Abrahamic religions, for instance, okay, the Sufis, the Kabbalists, and the Gnostics are closer to each other than they're closer to their respective religions. Sufi is, Sufism is the mystical tradition of Islam. Gnosticism was the mystical tradition of Christianity. And the Kabbalah was the mystical tradition of Judaism. Now, um, the Christians did an amazing job of eradicating the Gnostics and, and setting us back thousands of years in knowledge. Sufism and the Kabbalah still exist. But, but these three mystical traditions, if you look at what they're saying, they have more in common with, with, with one another than the religious traditions that they're supposed to be part of. And what that really indicates is just how far uh, religions will, will, will stray. So in the case of Christianity... The, it wasn't called Christianity to begin with. It was called the way. Now mm-hmm. that should tell you something right there. The way was a set of mystical teachings to open up higher consciousness. It wasn't a religion. The way, think of that word for a second and the implication of that word. Mm-hmm. So um, it's very clear from both passages in the Bible and from the writings of the early church fathers that Jesus had two teachings. One was the inner mystical teaching that he gave to the so-called elect, meaning those who could understand it. And the other was the public teaching for the masses. So that was the parables. And that was largely the material that we have uh, in the Bible. But in the Bible itself, it says that Jesus spoke unto the masses in parables, but unto the disciples, he gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Origen and Clement, the two bishops of uh, early Alexandria, affirm that Jesus had a secret mystical teaching, but that it wasn't given out to the masses because they didn't believe the masses could really understand it. So Gnosticism was this embodied, this secret inner mystical teaching, which is why um, I I really sort of rely on the recovered Gnostic text a little bit more of (laughs) more than what I would in in the Bible, uh, because I think it speaks to, um, you know, a truer form of spiritual revelation. I appreciate your saying that uh, because uh, the, the the longer I live and the more I learn, the more uh, I'm questioning, and I'm I'm of the philosophy uh, that that was actually shared with me when I was uh, 21, a long time ago, and again another one of those in a galaxy far far away. Uh, this was the phrase: 
It is better it is better to begin in doubt and end in certainty than to begin in certainty and end in doubt. And I've really tried to live by that. And I had one guest, we were chatting away and he challenged me very kindly on one of my points and I listened intently and I'm, yeah, okay. Well, there goes another one of my huts up in flames and I'm willing to burn them all to the ground to start over again if I have to. Uh, because my beliefs of yesterday are not my beliefs of today are not my beliefs of tomorrow because I'm still alive and I'm learning and growing just like you are. Uh, and that's why you're sharing with us the quantum spirituality, the book, Quantum Spirituality, uh, Science, Gnostic, uh, Gnostic Mysticism, and the connecting with source consciousness as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And um, Peter you know, Canova, I, I, I just wanted to uh, address Please. the point you just made because I think it's very important. Yes, what, the spirit of what you just said is the difference between a spiritual journey and religion. Okay, so religion basically, if you think of you're a traveler, right? And as you travel along the way, you encounter these way stations. So religion is the boxes in these way stations. It says, okay, if you come in here, we'll give you the truth, but you got to stay within this box because that that's the truth. Mm -hmm. Okay. So spirituality though, more like what you said is an open-ended exploration. You take what truth you have there and you continue on the journey. And it might be superseded by a higher revelation or a higher truth. That's the difference between spirit and religion. And I think you just summed it up very nicely in terms of you know, your approach and uh, your approach and attitude. Well, I think it's arrogance on my part specifically. And again, what I what I make reference to and share as far as my observations and opinions, those are mine. I don't put them on anybody else. That's not my intent. Uh, everybody's got to find their own way. You want to take a little piece of this and that of what I've said? Wonderful. I hope it works for you. Uh, but today it works for me. I don't know if it'll work tomorrow. I have no idea because I don't know what's you know, coming I, next. I, I I always say when I when I give um, public talks, I often start off by telling the audience, "Don't believe a damn thing I'm going to tell you." And, <laughs> all, and, and they all and they all sit there scratching their heads, like, "What did I come here for?" Exactly. And, and, you know. But I say, look, that doesn't mean I don't want you to listen to me. It doesn't mean I don't want you to consider what I'm I'm saying. What I want you to do is take this information provisionally, because basically what I want you to do is use the information in quantum spirituality, which incidentally, it's like a real tour de force of creation, not only gets into quantum physics and, and ancient spirituality, but it gets into Jungian psychology and uh, archetypes and, uh, you know, just really explaining how the whole world operates. But you just take this as a signpost on your journey to guide you. Okay. And, and, but you'll figure, you'll figure out your own truth along the way. And that's where I'm hoping people land uh, after uh, looking at the material that I've done. I, I hope they, they test this out in light of their own spiritual practice. And I also do, um, you know, talk a little bit about uh, meditation and about um, you know, different ways that meditation can be in, enhanced. And uh, because ultimately it comes down to people having to have to experiment and work with these things to, and practice with these things. Yeah. It's not good enough just to take it as an intellectual exercise. You have to start to internalize it. Yeah. Peter Canova is my guest. PeterCanova.com is the website. The book is called Quantum Spirituality. Once again, science, Gnostic mysticism, 
and connecting with the source consciousness here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I want to dive in for the this last portion of our program to that aspect. As I mentioned earlier, one of the one of the things that we talk about. I mean, I I make reference usually at the beginning of the program, but I like to dive right in in this one. Uh, I talk about you know when we're heard and how you can listen to us and all of these things, and and then uh, you know if you'd like to support the work we're doing, but then I go to this place and it is we ask that you participate in what i have termed the decade of perfect vision the 2020s where we ask you to go within and listen to that still small voice so rather than me going in in, in any further is that basically what you're referring to in maybe in a minor way from my perspective and you can elucidate uh, the connecting with source consciousness that going within yeah absolutely because um when you go within remember as i said we're we're projections of this one force so everything is already within us uh it's only our limited thinking our limited uh, views of things that prevent us from uh, understanding that and the way that we overcome that is by going within and getting in touch with that power that is uh, within us. It's like um, kind of like, you know, the sleeper must awaken in Dune. Uh, and essentially that is really our task. We have to awaken the, the sleeper within. And when we do that, it has tremendous effects, uh, beneficial effects on our lives. Uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times uh, this, this, awareness or consciousness has helped me. Uh, I mean, I, I'm an international businessman and, you know, here I, I take off and I write this best-selling series of books, the first souls trilogy and uh, uh, Pope Annalisa, which, you know, they have won 25 awards. I mean, I almost feel like uh, somebody else wrote them. It was like a stream of consciousness coming through me. And in fact, uh, they did uh, an article in Own Times magazine about all the geopolitical predictions that came true in the book, because, you know, much of this information was channeled. This information has saved my life on occasions. And I, I was uh, a chicken soup for the soul author. And I wrote a chapter in there about how uh, this saved my life in Africa with a, a premonition where um, I very likely might have been killed. Uh, you know, it, it, there's so many ways that this can be beneficial to your life. And what you find is that when you get in touch with this, this power, the benefits just start to bleed in. And, you know, sometimes you have to look back in hindsight to recognize and say, oh, you know, uh, how did that happen? So, um, you know, there's a real, there's a real payoff there. And I really encourage people, like you said, to take that time. I know we're all busy. I know we all have problems. But that's the whole point of why you should do this, you know, is to help solve your problems, be a better problem solver. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I love that. Uh, I mean, I, I I know on the one hand that it's really great. Like what I see behind you, all of those books and the the hundreds, if not thousands of books that I happen to have, maybe not on bookshelves. I have several containers out in a shed uh, and they're secured enough to where they're not damaged by the weather. But I've got these thousands of books on so many different spiritual con concepts and philosophies and constructs and on and on and on. But at the same time, I also recognize that if I got rid of them all, I wouldn't be losing anything because that isn't where 
I should be, in a manner of speaking, getting the guidance and the information. I already have it all if I just spend that time going within. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Although I do think that books and knowledge play an important role because, uh, first of all, they can be inspirational. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think one of the things that people like myself are really trying to do is inspire people to understand that there is something more out there. There's another there are hidden dimensions of existence that we can get in contact with to the betterment of our lives. So there's the inspirational factor. And then I also think that, um, you know, what I found is when I read um, the uh, certain books, all of a sudden something clicks that was at the back of my mind, but what they're saying in the book brings it to the forefront. And it's like, Mm. aha, you know, there's a connection there. Some of the, the dot just got connected from my subconscious to my conscious mind. So yeah, there there certainly is a role though that book that, that books can play, but but ultimately, yes, I do agree with you. The most important thing is what's inside you. Yeah. And of course, growing up being born and raised Catholic, that's not what I was taught. You go to the priest and he's going to have the answers. I will say that <clears throat> I drew to me some very honest priests, a monsignor in the Byzantine rite of the Catholic Church, uh, when he would come over um, <clears throat> around the spring to bless the house, which was one of the rituals. I asked him, I said, why is it with 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 the what we have of the historical record of crucifixion, why is it that Jesus is not depicted naked on the cross? Because that was the final indignity. He was stripped naked. And he he was honest and upfront with me. He says, because the church does not want to upset the sensibilities of the people. And I thought, well, how considerate. But doesn't it also say, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free? But I think it goes back to something you said earlier from that passage where it says, ye shall know the truth. I think that prob- I think it has more to do with, ye shall know the truth about you, who you are, not what's in a book or what somebody else said or what have you, but who and what you are. Your thoughts before we wrap up? Well, yeah, I'm, and I think the original, um, the original message of Christianity and the original Jesus wasn't so much putting, you know, Jesus up on a pedestal and saying, you know, he's God and we we need to bow down and worship him. Jesus was foremost a teacher and a prophet and a revealer, and yes, he was the Son of God. But I think the original Jesus would tell you, but I'm not the only one. We are all sons and daughters of God. Now, he may have read a few chapters ahead, and because of his level of consciousness, he may certainly have enjoyed something, uh, a, a um, how can I say, he may have enjoyed abilities or things that would appear, um, you know, superhuman or exceptional to us. But I think that Jesus would would not uh, say, you know, I'm God, and the only way through you know, God is me. Um, that, to me, is really, again, uh, the trappings of religion and what religion wrote on top of the original mystical tradition. Yeah. So um, I always try and go back to the sources as much as I can. And, uh, you know, it's um, when you do, I think you get a little bit closer to the, uh, to, you know, to the truth of things. And the, the, the fact of the matter, again, is that, you know, we are all sons and daughters of God and we all have the great potentialities within us. But remember, it's up to us to do the work. You don't just sit there 
you know, sitting in your chair and all of a sudden expect fireworks to go off and you're, you know, you're lifted up and, you know, levitated, uh, you know, up towards heaven. It just doesn't happen that way. You've got to put in the work yourself and the miracles will come. And what I mean by miracles is it's a change in patterns that you think are set patterns, Mm -hmm. things that you think are impossible, all of a sudden start to become possible. Things that don't seem likely start to happen. So they, they do happen. Again, it's not like this Hollywood miracles with fireworks going off and bells and whistles. It's changes little and even little starts off as little changes in the patterns that you may want to see changed or you didn't believe it was possible to change. They start to happen. Yeah. Well, Peter, I want to thank you so much for us giving us so much time here on the program. And of course, we had you on uh, some time ago when Pope Annalisa came out. Uh, again, another fascinating interview, a conversation that we had. And I do want to have you back to continue this uh, this conversation. Have you got another book in the works or is this right now spir- quantum spirituality? This is your main focus. Yeah, it's my main focus. I, I I have a lot of projects right now. I'm getting, I, I had to get uh, very much involved with my business again. And so uh, I've got about three things going. We're trying to get Pope Annalisa into a TV series right now. Oh. I'm working, I have a partner who was an ex-HBO executive and um, we're, uh, we're out in the street now pushing that. And then of course uh, I have to promote my book like I'm doing on your show here to make people aware of that. So uh, I think for the time being, you know, that, that's, that's probably it. I, I need to take a look, a little bit of a rest here. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, I, I do have three final questions that I ask my guests. We're in our 15th year. Uh, uh, we're in the midst of our 15th year and uh, I'll ask those questions, but first I want to thank you for listening to and watching. Tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world where we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for a special edition of tell me your story. We stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. Our podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. We're also on YouTube, where you can watch these interviews. We hope you'll click notification so that when I put up a new conversation, you'll know it's there and you'll be able to listen to it like this one here with Peter Canova. And um, hey, if you can support us financially, that would be terrific. Uh, We have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. And also spend that time here in the decade of perfect vision the 2020s going within and listening to that still small voice and with all of that uh let me start with who is peter canova well like i say i'm, I'm just a guy that had certain experiences that i kind of want to share uh with the world uh not because i'm so interesting but because i think they can um inspire people and and help them to show that there's a a pattern or a path that they can follow that will be very rewarding for them at the end. What is your life's purpose? Pretty much what I just told you. Uh, I mean, they really want really one and the same. I I, I mean, I hope to be uh, an inspiration or at least provide inspirational information to people so that they understand. And, you know, ultimately, Richard, what it's really about is fear is the greatest impediment to human existence. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, alleviating fear by understanding the way that the universe operates, by understanding the force that permeates all creation uh, is a very, uh, a very comforting thing. And it's not faith. I'm talking about really getting to the point where you actually experience the reality of this force in operation. And I think everybody can achieve that. And that's what I hope uh, my work can help people do. And finally, what was your best day? 
probably the day that I found out that I was a medical intuitive and I could um, actually um, see what was going on and help people. I went home that night and I started thinking, how is this possible? And I, I, I said, you know, to myself, the only way that this can be possible is we have to all be part of one whole. We have to be like uh, all connected in a matrix, like a hologram, where each part contains the image of the whole. And I, I, I shut my eyes and I fell asleep with my clothes on, kind of sitting up in my bed. And it was the greatest feeling of peace I think I've ever experienced. I felt this unity. I felt this light wash over me with that realization. And it was probably the most relaxed I've ever been because I do tend to be hyper. <laughs> and this is probably the most relaxed I've ever been. Well, I'm glad that we were able to be part of that relaxation. And we thank you for joining us here on the program. Good to be here. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And until our next broadcast podcast videocast, love to Lal, Jeanette, I'm listening, and Dad, be happy.